Hello, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast, coming off an unexpected win, well, as far as I was concerned anyway, so I put my hand up and I got that one wrong, uh, but very glad for the boys to prove me and a lot of other people wrong and not trap a very gutsy win over there in Perth. Tonight is just going to be myself and one other guest, because the second guest unfortunately couldn't make it, because he hasn't been online since 2018, uh, which poses a bit of an issue, but I'm joined by... A person who's always at the front of my mind at the end of each show when we give our predictions because he always hassles us about it that we don't go hard enough. So I'm looking forward to the very end of this episode when he gives his prediction because he, he was pretty close last week. Uh, and it's the one and only makeshift Mauler. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michael. Thanks for inviting me on. No dramas at all. No, very glad to get you on. Uh, like I said, the prediction, it's your forte, isn't it, really? Uh, yeah, I... I... Look, I was a bit disappointed when I when I joined the forum and I was seeing all this pessimism about, you know, oh, 20, 20 points, 23 points. I'm like, come on, guys, 10 goals. Jack's going to kick 15 every week. We've just been burnt so badly in the past, so I think it just still lingers a little bit, <laughs> depending on games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a child of the 90s, so I I lived through all the terrible, terrible, terrible years. Um, I, base, I base my predictions on what my father says to me over the course of the week, because he's always been an optimistic Richmond supporter. Okay. Oh, well, he seems to be nailing all the predictions then, so... Oh, so far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> uh, you see, the big announcement today, obviously, was Sean Grigg announcing his retirement. He's, uh, what a player he's been for the club. I know a lot of people were questioning it a little bit when he first came over to us in 2010, but 214 games combined, 96 goals... And the stat I loved most that the Richmond website put out on their media release was the 148 hitouts. That's a great bit of uh, writing there to make sure you include that with the whole Grig being a ruckman. But he's been a superstar player coming across to us, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and I, I, he came across when we we weren't. I mean, we were doing we were on the up, but we weren't. You know, like a couple of the other players like Prestia came in when we were we were playing in finals. Yeah, him and Hooley. Uh, and and Chaplin came when we were we were pretty average, and I, I have a lot of respect for those guys. And I'll, I'm I feel like uh, Grig and and Hooley when they go, there'll be few players that I'll be more sad uh, to see go. Because I mean, he the fact that you've asked this bloke, can you please go in the ruck and have you know uh, Sanderlands and people like that run and jump at you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, he's just, and he just sat there and took it. Yeah, it is. It's one of the most selfless acts. And right, really, if it wasn't for him doing that, there's a, a really good chance we wouldn't have won the flag in 17, I don't reckon. Well, certainly not. I mean, you, you have to be able to give Nankervis a rest. And, and yeah. we didn't really have, unfortunately, with um, Ben Griffiths going down and retiring, we, we didn't really have a replacement. And, and to ask anyone who had not played that position and you know, was giving up a huge height advantage, just sit there and cop it, I think that deserves utmost respect. Yeah, and I reckon what you said before earlier was spot on about the time, the period of time he come over. I mean, really, we weren't a destination club at that point by any stretch. So um, I know he wanted the trade, but um, to come across to us and go through all that, and I think he even said in a media interview that he felt we were going to be getting close to a flag, but he didn't think it was going to happen in his time at the club. So for him to actually be a part of that success is good reward for effort. I think it's just his leadership around the club during those hard times is something you, you can't really buy. Like you can draft all the young kids in the world, but if you don't have the right people in place, um, it just doesn't pan out for you. Oh, yeah. To, to bring the, these, these boys and you know, men that come into the club when teams are struggling and stick around. Uh, look, I, I, as I said, I have the utmost respect for those guys because that shows true character. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention all of that, but he, he's been pretty consistent as well. Uh, never really got to, I suppose, the levels of like your Dusties or your Cotchins or your Rewalts, but he was never really meant to, I suppose. But in the best and fairest terms, uh, when he came sixth in the best and fairest in our premiership year, he came fifth in 2016 and ninth in 2015. And he had a lot of other higher up finishes as well in the other years. So he put together a good body of work across his time at the club and I think he just played his role really well. So, Grigor, we wish you all the best, mate, in your retirement. And I've got no doubt he's going to hang around in the footy capacity if he wants to, because he does have a very good footy brain. So, it did read like he was going to hang around at the club for the rest of this year anyway and help out in a coaching role, which would be good. Well, and, and, and also, uh, apparently, he frees up us a slot for the mid-season draft. So, if I mean, that's what the news was reporting. So, if that's the yep. case, it's, it's truly a selfless act. 
It is, and that's kind of been what he's been like all the way through because the club has obviously stated that they weren't going to put Rance on the long-term injury list because they are holding out slim hope that he might play. And, yeah, the only way we were going to get a pick is by someone else being on that list or retiring. So, unfortunately, it just sounds like his body's not holding up how he wants it to. And, yeah, for him to put the team first again um, and, and hang up the boot is just an incredible thing to do. Uh, Rancy back, mate. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling it. I reckon he could be half a chance. It, it, the reactions would be epic across the uh, football world. But I don't know. You just you don't not do this like the long term injury list if you you know if you think he's a genuine chance of playing. It's the only reason why you would do it. So he's obviously healing very well, and I think it's a bit of a watch this space. Well, people will just keep him. Mean, you go remember he's an Adonis. He's not a normal man. Yes, that's right. He's, he's healing at an accelerated rate. And that's actually a fact. That's not even us just taking the piss there. If you're in physically good nick, the body does repair a lot better, and especially when it, there was a clean break uh, of the ACL. It, yeah, it's not as far-fetched as what it seems. And yes, there's obviously risks attached to him coming back, but you'd like to think the uh, medical guys wouldn't put him back out there if he wasn't right to go. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it was side-bottom last year. He came back in and gold tore it. Oh, gold sack, yeah. yeah. And he had a really good final series yeah and you know you only got you only got to throw together three or four good games i'd like to get him back before give him a couple games before the finals but if that's how it's got to be if he's the difference between you know beating collingwood or not beating collingwood then you got to you got to roll the dice i think so and i think Goldsack actually played maybe two or three vfl games prior to the afl return so i mean i don't know whether we'd be brave enough to play him in the vfl maybe we would have to maybe that is the right path if he, if this does eventuate um, but like you said, if it's the difference between shutting down a big forward and not, then it's a big call. But I think sometimes you've got to be brave in final series if you're playing that deep. Oh, no doubt. And if you think about all the development that's gone into the, the, the back line at the moment, I mean, even just Grimes, adding adding Rance, who's the best back in the competition at the moment, into that back line with a bunch of blokes who's already improved this year, team's team's going to kick 15 points. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like the Fremantle Adelaide game all over. Yeah, except we'll kick 110. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> uh, the other exciting news as well was hitting 100,000 members again for the second consecutive year, which is an enormous effort. I, I don't think I, I think a lot of people from outside of Richmond are kind of selling us a bit short here. So to clarify, we're talking 100,000 paid up AFL audited members. It's not pets. It's not infant memberships or anything like that. It's member that that's a phenomenal figure to get a hundred k. Oh no doubt. I mean, I want to know when when are they going to upgrade the MCG because we've got to fit them all in, right? I oh, know. They need a bigger stadium. We we don't draw fourteen thousand like Hawthorne. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, I was uh, looking up through a, a newspaper article about. Do you remember back in two thousand and ten when Brendan Gale first put out the concept or the plan of three zero seventy five and and how that went down? And everyone laughed at him. I mean, I agree. I also laughed at him because I thought he underestimated. Thought he under, that, yeah, he that makes sense coming from you. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But um, so there's an article in the Age from 2010, and there's just an interesting line in here at the end. Uh, so it says the five-year plan is about positioning the club for where it will be by the end of the decade, being 2020, with a vision for 2020 that they return to not just being one of the top four Victorian clubs, but the top Victorian club. Now this is back in 2010 they had this plan, and I think you could mount a pretty strong case that he's ticked off. Uh, being one of the top four Victorian clubs, but you could almost still man a case of being the top Victorian club based on even on-field success and off-field. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we got more members than everyone else. We got we got more members than a couple of Victorian clubs put together. Yes. And um, look, we won a flag and we came on, uh, outside of, you know, one really terrible game and a couple of dodgy injury selections away from possibly winning a second one because I we wouldn't give up a five goal lead for West Coast. No, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> no, that that but, made everything right the next I week. Mean, yeah, you're right. In 2010 when he made that decision, we finished 15th. I mean, that's we were a basket case. Yeah, that's a ballsy and, call to make. And, and, and I mean, probably calling it a five year plan not a good not a good idea with the historical connotations. But um, they've they've look. Brennan Gale will one day probably end up the CEO of the AFL, and hopefully then we'll, we'll might get a positive free kick differential. Yes, that would be good. Um, and and look, you can, he's done a he's done an amazing job. You keep on hearing people talk about how good of a job 
uh, Eddie Maguire does at Collingwood because that's you know, the reason why Collingwood fans, put, Collingwood fans put up with him. But surely Brennan Gale's done heaps better. I mean, we were again, we were a basket case. No one wanted to come. We were we were winning two or three games. No, we won six in 2010, but you know, and we were losing to Carlton every week, every round one every year. Yeah, the turnaround's extraordinary. I mean, by far and away, Brendan Gale and Peggy O'Neill have been our best recruits for quite some time. Oh no, no doubt. Um, the fact how they how they handled that whole uh, focus on footy yeah. debacle, where everyone everyone was wondering what we were, what the what, what the future was going to hold for the football club, and they they stuck they stuck through, and then the next year they're they're laughing at everybody. Yeah, it's an incredible turnaround. It was an interesting time, that, with that focus on footy group. When, especially when you think that there would have been a lot of people probably in support of that off the back of a really bad 2016. Um, and even the most positive supporters might have flirted the idea of maybe trying to overhaul Dimmer and, and the assistant coaches. But the the club, you know, Peggy and Brendan also knew best and they're ultimately proven right. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I, I must... To say that I, I was a little in that camp. I, I remember losing to a, a we lost one of the games 2016 and I walked out and I was like you know what we need to get Mick Malthouse because <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Mick but I, I, I and luckily I'm not in charge of deciding who's the, who gets to coach Richmond because um, Richo would probably be coaching Richmond <laughs> well, if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, that'd be interesting. We'd be captain coach we'll put him back out there. Yeah, put him back. Well, we, we might we need him. now. Yeah, we might, we'll put him in for the preseason draft. I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to bust out Ivan, big Ivan, this week. Yeah, we might have to put out a few calls to the older blokes. But yeah, we're, we're just wiltering away. But um, the the game against Frio, what did you watch that one? Big I, win, twenty five points. I did. I watched it on my my tiny phone screen. Um, oh no. <laughs> nah, look, it was all right. Um, oh look, it was amazing. Like what? I I can't. I can't speak highly enough of the character of, of that team to go over there with, you know, you always hear about it. Richmond can't win if their big four don't fire. Well, three of them aren't playing because they're injured and one of them's having a pretty down year. We'll all admit. And then you just get, you just get blokes like Camden McIntosh. I don't think I've ever seen a man throw more of his opponents out of marking contests. How good was that one at the half forward flank? Just, he just, I'm, I'm lucky we're not sponsored by like an anti-bullying campaign because he bullied those guys. He bullied them. He did. He, he just took that quick half a second look and gone, yep, you're like half my size. I'm just going to put you over here for a little bit while I take this mark. And, and it's it's and they're the kind of guy, and, you know, I just hope that he, he's, you know, sometimes he's a bit of a whipping boy, not as much as people like Ellis, who also had a really good game. But I just, I just hope that these are the kind of wins where they, where they know that you don't. It's not just about you know Rewalt and Rance and Cochin and Martin. They also uh, can have a big say in this season and whether or not we make the finals. Well, I reckon Camden's in career best form. I mean, he's been one of our most consistent players on a weekly basis, and people are quick to pick up if he does a bit of a missed kick or whatever. But you know what? No one really, like no one really goes at a hundred percent except for Sydney Stack that couple of times. But <laughs> Um, you're going to make mistakes, but it's the other things he does without the ball, his chasing, his tackling, his physical presence in the air. He's having a stellar year, and you're right. You don't want to have to rely on those big four, but just the younger guys coming through uh, and their enthusiasm, I think, plays a big part with the absence of these big players. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all love young Sydney. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of um, of Noah Bolter and uh, Shai Bolton. Um, that that I'm hoping that that boat that game that that Shy Bolton played on the weekend is the start of him getting uh you know first up goes at, at getting games rather than having to wait for people to be injured because that he's got he's got talent to burn. Well, he does. I mean, 16 disposals, two marks, seven tackles, nine score involvements, and four goals. It's a big game by anyone's standard. I think Dermot must have said. I think it was Dermot Brereton on the commentary that. At whatever stage it was, it was the best 14 possession game he'd seen for a long, long time because he was just so damaging every time he went near the ball. And and uh, well, it wasn't good enough to get a Rising Star nomination, but no, that's, no, it definitely that's a, wasn't. <laughs> that's, but just just poise, and that's and that's something that sometimes we've we've missed. I mean, we we have a horrible habit sometimes of of have putting having our throat our, our foot on our opponent's throats and just not kicking straight, not kicking goals. 
Yeah. He just knows where the goals are. Yeah. I mean, that one where he sold the candy inside the 50 sort of shows the awareness he's got in the situation he's in. So uh, I think for me, after seeing him in a couple of VFL games, he is really translating his VFL form to AFL level, which is such a good thing to see because I think a lot of us thought that he had the talent, but I think a lot of us also thought, was he going to be able to apply it? Was he going to be able to make it in um, the higher grade? And I think he's now answered that question. Yeah, I, it's um, I I think so. Um, uh, he we need to, we I mean we need to sign it sign him. He's he's got so much talent, and you can't afford to let players like that go back to Western Australia um, because it could bite us. It could bite us. Like it's the, you know? the Ralph Carr factor, though. Uh, I did I did like the old. Uh, put my contract negotiations on hold when I'm not getting a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bold strategy. Yeah, it was an interesting bit. Uh, he must be in a similar boat to Dusty in the sense that he backed himself to have a big year to warrant having that conversation about a pay rise. But And if he keeps playing like he did on the weekend, I, I think fair play to him and well done. I, I'm, I'm never going to begrudge a bloke for... for- getting what he deserves like yeah, trying absolutely. to get what he deserves if, and he, he's if you're gonna if you're gonna walk the walk and say you want to pay rise you gotta you gotta show it yep absolutely so that no, bolton had a good one the other player who had a good game who's probably one of our whipping boys as well is Connor Menadju. i thought um probably his career best game undoubtedly 23 disposals seven contested possessions but it was his ability to keep breaking the lines all game and he was hitting up his targets and really creating a lot of forward attacks from the back half um Hopefully he can keep doing that because I liked what I saw of young Connor. Oh no, he. I mean, I love the Jew. Uh, he's he's great. Was it was it him that that did the defensive tackle? Well, stopped a short yes. fire goal and yeah. Look, that's just that's just gut running and and heart and that's and that's what you need. I mean, it, sure, not everyone can be you know as skillful as, as the top ten or so players, but everyone can try. You you can you can run after a bloke and try to catch him and tackle him. Yeah. And that saves goals, and that stuff lifts entire teams. I mean, we oh. we had that in the in the final against Geelong, where Brandon Ellis um, knocked over Dangerfield, yeah, and it just lifted the whole team. It's genuine momentum shifters, isn't it? Moments like that. I mean, you can see you could see the build up of play unfolding, and I, I thought for all money that was going to be a Frio goal, but he just read it beautifully and just mowed him down. It was it does it changes games and it inspires everyone. It does, and he is fast. Yes, and that's what we need. We need to to run and carry the ball so that we can make sure that you know Tom Lynch isn't getting two you know two or three men on him when he's trying to take marks. Yeah, spot on. Speaking of Lynch, I thought he played a good game as well on the back of some un- unnecessary criticism from Matty Lloyd during the week, which I'm sure you'll get to later. Um, but he was clunking those grabs, and I actually liked him leading up and playing up the ground a bit more because it didn't really take away from our ability to score because. We had Smalls running back into space. But I don't know if you noticed, when he was in a marking contest and he probably felt he wasn't going to mark it because there was a bit of pressure, he was actually deliberately hitting it backwards over his head into empty space for our forwards just to stream onto it. It's another smart bit of play. Yeah, and, and that's something that, that Rewalt would do. Yeah. Um, and, and look, it's taken him a couple of weeks. I mean, the end of the day, he had two shots, two pretty easy set shots at goal that he missed. Yeah, he should have slotted kicks- those. If he slots those two, he's kicked four goals. I mean, we're talking about, you know, that's that's probably his... Uh, the Port Adelaide game was probably his best game, but that would be his second best game for the season. Yeah. I, the... I feel like he deserved those last two goals as well, just with how hard he worked. And at the point in time in the game, it probably would have opened the floodgates too because we were on the verge of really running away with it. But, um, yeah, he just missed a couple of sitters, but I'm sure he'll get that fixed. I'm, I'm, hopefully, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big Tom Lynch fan. Um, I thought that when we got him, I was I was doing cartwheels down the street. Oh, he's, he's I mean, and thank God we got him because you know, I I don't think we'd be in anywhere near the form that we're in if nope. we were having to rely on. Uh, I didn't even want to know who our full forward well, would have to probably be. Caddy or Townsend. Might, I mean, yeah. not the I mean Townsend's a good player to have in, but it which would have been zero height up forward. It would have been a complete disaster. And we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, and we, we have, we have a horrible habit of bombing it in at the best of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of height though, how good was it to have another tall defender in, in uh, young Garthwaite? I thought he was pretty good. Just slotted in nicely, took eight marks, showed composure. Um, I think we need to keep him in for as long as Rance isn't in, if that makes sense. And I didn't feel like we lost anything by playing him and Asprey in the same team. 
No, and especially a, a team like Fremantle that has a, has a couple of tall forwards. I thought he played really well on Hogan. Um, yeah. Kept him fairly quiet. And look, you, you, we just get – sometimes we get punished by teams that have tall forwards. Um, I mean, we make Mason Cox look like Wayne Carey every time we play every against time. Collingwood. And I just – you know, you've got you to play tall defenders. You can't be depending on, on blokes who are given up 10, 15 centimetres – to to be able to contest in marking contests because they're just not going to do it. Yeah. So I, I I hope I hope we keep him. I, I think we will. Um, he he didn't have a bad game, and and I'm I'm always a fan of not dropping people who don't have bad games. Yeah, especially off the back of that win, it'd be pretty hard pressed for anyone to be dropped for a form reason. I mean, everyone was they're all they're all massive. But speaking of uh, the changes, we won't talk about who's going to come in, but. The obvious injuries for Nankervis and Ross. I know the board, a lot of people, a lot of football people have always said that if Nankervis goes down, we're stuffed. And for a long time, I thought they were probably going to be right. But I thought Bolter showed some great signs in Nank's absence. But six to eight weeks, Jesus, someone's walked under a ladder and broken a mirror all at the same time. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've figured out that by about round 17, we won't have many more injuries because everyone will be injured. Yeah, well, I put on Twitter that the club's actually going to start running a ballot and everyone can enter their name to actually get a game on a weekly basis. That's how, that's how well we're going. I do, strut my st- I do strut my stuff down on Bridge Road every day, trying to hope, hoping that they, they see me, but it, doesn't, it hasn't eventuated yet. No, that's, it's been shocking. Like, but I'm, I'm quietly convinced, I posted this on the board, that uh, it's all part of Dimmer's plan. He's going to out Collingwood Collingwood. We're going to have a more injury-ravaged season than Collingwood and win the flag. Is this just to show them how it's done? Just to like, show them know, how it's done. You read our book, you tried to copy us, you failed, so we're, we're going to copy you better and still win it. <laughs> still, that's, that's, it's got to be it, right? Surely, there's Could no way. Could you imagine? Oh, I, I can always imagine. It's they, it's just so it's so bad. Like, and, and it's not even like they're just like, oh, one to two weeks. You know, it's, he's out for six to eight weeks. That's that's a long time to be Cotton, out with a ruck. Cotton's still three to four weeks away, and he was three to four weeks away two weeks ago. Yeah, that he's spending too much time doing laps, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know what he's, what he's doing. I'm not going to lie. The, the thought of going deep in September does sort of sit in the back of my head. Is like If we can keep scraping through and getting wins, I don't care. Even if we lose, lose one, win one, lose one, win one. By the time we get some of these players back, we'll still be in an okay spot. And I don't know about you, but for me, even finishing... Um, from 8th to 5th doesn't really bother me too much because if we've got everyone back, I don't really hold any fear of playing anyone if we've got a full-strength side. Oh, no. And and, we're, and these wins that we're getting, these tough wins we're all, we're all excited about, they're all interstate wins. Yeah, and, and that, we and didn't that, do that in, in 2018 or 17, whichever one it was. Anyone, if we make the top 8, and oh, sorry, when we make the top 8, if we, sorry, when all these players come back, every other team's got to be scared because we're, we were the best team all year last year, and we're going to come in with a, and have put 10, 15, 20 games into players like Sydney Stack and Shai Bolton and Noah Bolter, and they're going to be better. Yeah, exactly. And then we're going to also bring in Cochin, Ran- oh, Rewalt, Rance, um, these blokes that have been, you know, Nan Curvis that have been out for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and then they come back, and the team can only get better. And they're going to be fresh. Like, I know they've got to get over their injuries, and that's fine, but physically their bodies are going to be fresh from not taking a battering every week as per what their normal job description would be. So it's an interesting concept. It's, I don't know, part of me still holds out hope that we can cause a little bit of damage. But if these young kids keep playing how they're playing, it's it's going to make things interesting. No, no doubt. I, I, I think that as long as, as long as they keep playing the way they're playing at the moment, outside of a, a drastic form slump, we're just as likely as anyone to make the top eight. I've watched. I mean, I've watched Collingwood and and and, and Geelong, and, and Collingwood nearly lost to Carlton. Yeah. Like like, and, and Collingwood lost Carlton, where Carlton had eight free kicks for an entire game of football. Gee, <laughs> like, I didn't realize. I didn't realize they suddenly that, that, that Carlton suddenly put on yellow and black guernseys. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's right. What what did the Collingwood get though? Was it twenty four? Wow. That's, that's I was like they had so Carlton had two free kicks a quarter, and Collingwood had th- over three times more free kicks. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's just that, crazy. Yeah, that's and that makes that result even more amazing. But I think the only thing with the 
our young kids is we probably have to kind of expect some form fluctuation. So there will be games where we might lose and we might look real ordinary, but they all if they all keep on the same page and keep bouncing back at the same time, we're still going to win our fair share of games. So exciting times ahead. But like you said, it's getting those games into those kids that's going to help set us up for next year and the year after. I think that's an important step as well that we really wouldn't have been able to do if it wasn't for these injuries. Yeah, I mean, adversity is opportunity for, for people. Um, like, you know, 2017, uh, everyone, Jacob Townsend, everyone loves him. He wouldn't have gotten a game. He would not have gotten a game. No, none of those injuries didn't occur. So you've got to trust the coaching department. They've, we, you know, we've watched the players. Clearly, they've earned uh, our trust for this season. Last, I mean, the the Bulldogs game that was just an aberration, clearly, because they came out and you know that that fast attacking, hunting Richmond style was on display again, whereas the previous week it wasn't. So you're right. Sometimes we're just going to have bad games. Yeah, and I think we just have to get used to that. And I'm okay with that because the counter to that is it's another game of experience for the young kids. And as long as we get back those wins down the track, and that all's well that ends well. Uh, three things you learnt. From round eight, there's obviously a bit that went on. I'm sure you've got some crackers lined up. Uh, um, well, I'll, I'll start with one that you alluded to before. Uh, I learnt this week that uh, Matthew Lloyd should, should probably keep his mouth shut when before critiquing people on uh, on their form because uh, he, he, he said that Tom Lynch was a liability. Uh, we, we'd wasted all this money. And then, and then Tom Lynch comes out and, and kicks two, probably should kick four and set up a whole bunch. It was probably... You know, in our best five or six players on the ground. Although, if that's the kind of uh, response we players are going to get, I'm happy for him to tee off at any of our players on a weekly basis if we're going to get that output. <laughs> it's, it's true. I, uh, oh, look, it's it's a bit like the the media; they're always ready to jump on people. People, I think people just forget that you know he he had a, that injury he had kept him out of football for, for so long, and he's, he's come into a new system where he was supposed to be playing alongside Jack Rewalt, yeah. and now he's the sole full forward, so he's getting double and triple teamed. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy to expect that he's going to kick you know, four or five goals every game. He, 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 he was like, he, was, he kicked about set, what was it, 16, 17, up until a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and then he hit this poor form, but... I'd, I'd happily have taken to you know he's he, that that amount of goals and that amount of games because oh, he's only right. going to get better. Yeah, exactly. And he's still was well, he still second in the Coleman or is he might have dropped to third? I'm not sure, but he's still right up there. So he's doing his job. Yeah, and, and it's you can only he's he's coming again. Damien Hardwick said that he's we're expecting him to play a different game style. It's going to take him time to learn for sure. So. I think that you know sometimes the media likes to tee off on people that probably shouldn't tee off. How about next instead of teeing off on Tom Lynch, you tee off on Gary for uh, raising his arms to put blocks on? Oh, no one would do that in the media. Don't be silly. <laughs> I I did laugh at uh, oh Gary Ablett has a good record. He's never been suspended in three hundred and something games, and I was like, yes, because he's always in Brownlow contention, and they never suspend people when they're in Brownlow contention. No, they do not. That is that is factual. Uh, so the, the second thing uh, that I learnt uh, was I, I was a bit surprised to discover that the footy show was still alive. Uh, I, thought it, I thought it had died a death a long time ago. Uh, I am a, a child of the 90s, so I, I wasn't around when the footy show was in its heyday. Um, but the advent, the advent of the internet and, and constant football media has just, has just killed any reason for a show like that to exist. You used to watch it to get the teams. And now you don't need to do that because any breaking news story is going to be tweeted out by 10, you know, 100 football journalists within two seconds of it going live. And if you follow Tom Brown, you'll know ahead of time because he time travels. He, he can see through time and space. He went to university. He did. Melbourne Uni. <laughs> Melbourne Uni, I've heard that. But you're right with the footy show. Uh, like we sort of said off air as well that as soon as social media come in, it was destined to fail because no one is going to sit up until 9 or 10.30 if they don't have to, to wait for the team. And and that was that was the absolute draw card. You would sit up. And I always felt like Richmond was the last team to be shown every time I watched it. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's 10.30. Got to go to school tomorrow or whatever. Um, but yeah, and then they just don't have the right 
set of entertainment to counteract that. Like like we we're talking about before, the front bar has got actual comedians on there, so they're actually funny compared to footballers who are trying to be funny. It just doesn't work. No, and 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 that's and that's the problem. I think I think the issue the Footy Show ran into was it tr- it constantly tried to embrace that that '90s and early 2000s humor that that just doesn't really fly anymore. Um, you, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't bring you couldn't do half the stuff that um, Sam used to do on the Footy Show these days. No, God, no, no. You're taken off the air, <laughs> and so now you know it, it's all about it's all about you know light-hearted fun and and. That's not really what the footy show was giving. It's what the front bar gives you. It's not really what the footy show gives you anymore. And yeah. even if they try to do things like, oh, we'll, we'll show you what the players are like. Well, it's like, well, if you want to know what the players are like, just follow them on Instagram. That's right. And all the clubs do their own videos and social media stuff these days. So you're never short of being able to see insight into the players. No. No. So my third thing, uh, and this is this is an overarching topic that I'm sure you are... Uh, you're also going to be involved in Michael's, is that I'm pretty convinced that the AFL are currently in a running battle with the media for the most amateurishly run organization this year. Not only can you apparently hit blokes in the head with your raised forearm and get not a week, even though we've been told the head was sacrosanct, you can also climb goalposts yeah, <laughs> and, that's and help with free kick. I... I, I couldn't, and then and then Gil comes out and says, "Oh, well, it didn't impact the game." I'm like, "Well, yes, it that doesn't did. matter. It doesn't matter. It's a free kick." But like people who say that, it did impact the game because Essendon should have won. They should have had a kick from the goal line. And for people who keep saying, "Yeah, but the ball fell 15 meters short, um, so it wasn't really near the player," it's like, "Yeah, but if a player, if an Essendon or a Sydney player had have punched an Essendon player in the goal square while he was taking his shot, they would have paid 50." So it doesn't matter where the incident happens or where the ball landed. He broke a rule, and it should have been paid a free kick. So if Essendon miss on miss out on the eight by a game, I, I can't imagine what the reactions are going to be like. But, yeah, I can't get over that that was allowed. And the fact that they ticked it off, it's like they're just treating us like idiots. They, they ticked it off and then asked and then fined him for doing it. Like, yeah, tick, yeah, all good, you're allowed to do that, but we need to give you a please explain and a suspended fine. It's like, well, hang it's, on. <laughs> It's in, it's insanity, and you're right. The the, ex, the explanation that comes out just treats the football public like they're morons. Yeah, and then then to the other point with the elbow, I mean, this is part of mine as well. So we'll just roll it all into one. Um, yeah, second week in a row that Ablett's deliberately elbowed someone. Now he changed direction, jumped, and elbowed him in the head. And look, fantastic. There was no damage done, but there was no damage done when Dusty did it, and there was no damage done. Um, to any other elbowing incident so far this year from any player, thankfully. But now, all of a sudden, we are allowed to elbow people in the head because it didn't cause any damage, so it was fine. Whereas, you know, five or six weeks ago, it was a bad look for the game and it had potential to cause serious harm. It's, And they wonder why people are getting fed up with the system. Oh, no, he, Gary Ablett just has to bet me. The the biggest moron in the AFL at the moment. You you get off when you everyone knows you shouldn't have gotten off, and then you go and do the exact same thing again. Taking the piss. It's it's <laughs> it's crazy. Like like I don't understand. Like just I mean, all I want to know is like what's going to happen if Gary Ablett and Nat Five hit each other? Does well, does the world end? It might. It might just everything <laughs> might just self, does everything just stop? Explode. Yeah. And do you reckon the five one was worse? Ah, uh, oh, look, I I think that uh, look, I didn't I didn't like the Gary Ablett one because he came off his line, jumped, and hit that bloke in the head. Um, I feel like the the five one, you could probably argue a bit that it was it was not like not yourself or something. Yeah, not a harm. But Gary Ablett went off his line to run into him. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's he, what gets me. They claimed that, that it was he was trying to block his run. It's like, well, okay, that's great. You can block someone's run, but you don't have to elbow him in the face. When you, 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 you would brace to protect your chest. You don't brace to protect above your shoulders. Yeah, that's right. And, and then if you're going to brace, don't jump. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty simple. But then on the flip side of the coin, we've got... Is it Durden? I think it was for North Melbourne. Cops a week for an accidental head clash in an incident he probably couldn't have avoided. And even Geelong supporters have said that's bullshit that he got a week because there was nothing else he could have really done. 
So now the message is accidental head clash. You get a week, even though you're doing an act within the game of football. Do an act outside of the rules of football. Play on. Don't worry about it. And and look, I would much rather, if you're looking at the you know looking at the optics of the game, a head clash is much. I mean, they're both horrible. But a head clash is an accident. Yeah. Hitting someone in the head with your elbow. I, I didn't play a whole lot of football as a child because I played a lot of centre-half bench. I don't think any I ever saw someone accidentally hit someone in the head with their elbow or fist. Or no, arm. that's right. Like, and it comes down to intent. They need to stop basing suspensions on outcomes and start doing it based on intent. Because yeah, an accidental head clash for a legal tackle or whatever it might be doesn't deserve suspension look it sucks that someone was knocked out yes but unfortunately it's a contact sport and shit happens but yeah I, I, and there's and there's a couple of other ones like i was i was shocked that um frawley got off for pushing cameron to the fence yeah how dangerous is that i'm like if, if he hits that fence and does his knee he's he's out for the season <laughs> not to mention potentially getting cut by a heap of leds that's and he got a fine. I, I, it's not hard. Like you don't have to have grey rule areas and rules. If yeah. you hit someone in the head with your arm or your elbow, it's a week. If you push someone into the fence, it's a week. Like surely you, as the governing body, and you've got all these junior leagues under you. Surely that is something of high priority that you want to stamp out of the game. Like you look at all the local footballers. You don't want kids pushing other kids into fences and barriers because someone from the AFL got away with it. It's just crazy. You don't want anyone falling over near barriers and fences. I mean, you've all seen those horrible reports out of stuff that happens in the city where a bloke, you know, gets gets hit, knocked down, and hits his head on the gutter and 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 dies. Like, yeah, those fences are pretty hard. Absolutely. There's yeah, it's crazy that they didn't jump on that. But spin the wheel and uh, yeah, see what turns up for the MRO. No, so I've I've taken a couple of your ones. Unfortunately, that's okay. So that's do, right. do you have any more? I've got one more, and I think it's probably a bit Richmond biased, but I don't care. It's a Richmond podcast. I'll do what I want. Uh, Richmond players must be disqualified for both the NAB Rising Star nominations and the Goal of the Week nominations. Um, how Stack hasn't got a nomination yet is mind blowing. And then Shy Bolton was in the coaches' votes in the AFL Team of the Week. I think you mentioned to me. Um, kicks four goals, turn the game on its head, and doesn't get a nomination. I know the Jong player who got it has had a good season, so consistency, fair enough. But, geez, I don't know if he was the best player for the round, though. And then the goal of the week, they give it to Gary Ablett. Now, I'm sure this was them saying, oh, look, we won't suspend you. Sorry that we brought your name up again. We'll give you goal of the week just to, you know, smooth it over, surely. I mean, that was regulation. There was a bit of skill involved. Okay, he dribbled along the ground. But in this day and age, that goal that he kicked... The degree of difficulty wasn't as high as what like Castagna did or Shy Bolton with his selling a bit of candy. So, yeah, I just learnt that we seem to be non-existent when it comes to those discussions. No, I think they're still getting us back for Dusty winning everything in 2017. They, yeah, they've, they've decided we've won too much. No, it's it's crazy that you can you can have you can give the Rising Star award a nomination for a week when the when a person who was also eligible was arguably best on ground in their game and also was de- declared by the Saint, the AFL themselves to be the best in his position for that week. Yeah. Yeah, it, it blows your mind that they can come to two different conclusions. Uh, and as for the goal, oh, look, it was Gary Ablett's birthday this week, wasn't it? They, it Geelong, Geelong probably you know, gave, it, gave it a bit of a... Uh, please share this around and, and, and you know everyone get your dogs to vote so that <laughs> Gary can win this this award for us. Well, it was a good goal, but it wasn't really close to some of the other ones we saw. But oh well, hopefully we'll uh, jag one back later on in the year. No, well, we can. We, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you get uh, nominated for goal of the week. It just matters if you win goal of the year. True. We've still got a couple more weeks for that. Yeah, and I'm sure one of the boys will pull something out. We need a Jack Higgins special. <laughs> well, he's got he's got to start doing a bit more, I think. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him get a few more goals. But um, big game coming up this week against the Hawks. This is the Michaels household clash with my wife being Hawthorne and me also being Richmond. So yeah, I might be sleeping on the couch on Sunday night, but that's okay. It'll be it'll be well worth it. Big game though. I mean, the Hawks. I don't know if you saw their scoreline against the Giants, but to keep the Giants to 38 points and win by 33 points is a pretty extraordinary effort. 
No, it's it's a very good effort. Uh, I do temper it though with that the Giants te- tend to play the MCG uh, terribly, and that the la- the previous two weeks for this uh, they had Hawthorne had covered themselves in glory by beating Carlton by five points and losing to Melbourne by five points. So uh, yeah, that's that's it, fair enough. I actually thought Carlton were lucky, unlucky not to win that game. No, I, I agree. I think that Carlton have been pretty unlucky in a couple of games. Um, but and that's not to put anything against Hawthorne. I mean, keeping any team the the caliber of the Giants to to thirty five points. But I have been seeing a bit of a some uh, some posts on a couple of other teams' boards that you know if if they can keep GWS to thirty five points, what do they keep Richmond to? And I'm like, well, Richmond plays the MCG pretty well. Yeah, it is a strength of ours. But I mean, their they're back six. Hey, he's starting to look a bit more settled now with Frawley, Stratton, Sicily, Hardwick, Impey, and O'Brien. So they seem to be gelling a little bit and working well. Sicily, as much as he can be a bit of a dickhead on the field, I actually think he's a really good footballer. Um, but I think he's going to be very, very easy to upset Nangus. So I wouldn't be shocked if that was our tactic against him. But my overall arching plan for the Hawthorne back six would be let James Frawley have the ball at absolutely all costs. Don't worry about putting anyone on him because we'll probably get it back the next possession. He he does have a horrible habit of butchering it. And the Hawthorne supporters know it. Like, I've gone to quite a few Hawthorne matches. Every time he gets the ball, there's just a, oh, shit, just goes around the whole base. So that, that's, that should be the game plan. That sounds very simple. But um, that's their weakness right there. I mean, and Jarman Impey... We've got to try and quell his influence as well. He's run off the half-back lines pretty sharp, but we've got the small forwards who can keep up with him, I think. Yeah, and, and I think I think we've I mean we've always tended to match up pretty well with Hawthorne, even when we weren't doing so great. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't... I mean, there's that whole Clarko factor that everyone likes to bring up, uh, but I, I don't think that that holds much fear for us. But we've... I think that our small forwards... I mean, it's going to come down to if we can take our opportunities when they present themselves and, and lower our eyes and kick the ball to our players and not to giant three-on-one packs, uh, then we should we give ourselves every opportunity to win. Yeah, agree. And we have an awfully bad habit of kicking to a contest where the tallest player on the ground is that isn't ours. Um, and McAvoy is a, a gun ruckman in his own right, and Segler can take a mark. So as long as we don't kick it to where they are, if we don't have a ruckman there, I think we give ourselves half a chance. But speaking of the ruck duties, it it, it sounds like Biggie Van Solo is going to come in. He's had the VFL form. Um, would he be the one you would bring in, and how do you think he's going to go if he is the inclusion? I'd certainly certainly bring him in. Uh, he's he's apparently I haven't watched a lot of VFL, but it, apparently he's been playing very well, and he's probably I mean he's earned the chance to have, you know, three or four or five games while Nankovis is out to, yeah. to show that he's that the, the investment that we've made in him is going to pay off. And I think in this, a lot of people might not agree with me, but I actually think we will gain a bit more at the centre bounce with Soldo in because he's actually a much better tap ruckman than Nankovis is just because he's a lot taller than him, really. Um, but it's around the ground that we might have to make up a little bit of difference for what Nank brings to the team, especially if the Hawthorne Ruckman drift forward. That's my big concern, that if Soldo doesn't keep up the pace and go with Segler and McAvoy when they go forward, they might expose us there. No, no doubt. And that's and that's always been a bit of Soldo, the hit on Soldo, is that he's not that mobile around the ground. Um, so it's it's going to mean that players like Bolter are, are going to have to stand up and, and, and take, take an opportunity that's been given to them and show... That they're they're progressing, and I understand that's a that's a pretty big ask for a bloke who's not in his seventh or eighth game, but they're just going to have to do it. And yeah. and so far, and every, and so far, everything we've asked them to do, they've done. That's right. There's proof in the pudding, and they're all buying in. Um, but Soldo is also very aggressive, so we're not going to lose the physicality that what like what Nank has. So I think it's a good thing because he has no issues in trying to run through people and tackle blokes to the ground, and I think that's a big part of why our midfield unit does as well as it does with uh, with how Nankervis goes about it. So hopefully Big Soldo can throw his weight around a little bit. No, if he, I, I I just want to see him crunch crunch Sicily. That's all I want. Who just do you reckon, crunch, who do you reckon goes to Sicily? Uh, do you reckon uh, someone like Baker or... I don't know if he's got... Uh, you need someone who's got a bit of mungle and he's happy to annoy him. Yeah, well, you'd, you'd probably... Uh, last year you would have said Higgins because he's got a bit of mungle about him. Yeah. 
but he's, he spent a bit of time in the midfield. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of would like Bolton to go to him simply because I would love to see Bolton um, burst off from him and, and show him some show him his tracks. Yeah, true. He'd make him. He'd keep him accountable, wouldn't he? Yeah, you know, show him a bit of candy, and he, he's he's the kind of bloke that gets frustrated, Sicily. So I feel like if he's getting beaten by his opponent, he'll he'll do stupid things. Yeah, hundred percent. You're almost guaranteed to get two or three free kicks from him that you really shouldn't get, just because it's a dumb act. Um, if you get under his skin, and yeah, say if Bolton's on him and kicks a couple of goals, surely that's when everyone else in the team really gets into him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd be saying we, we're going to definitely get two free kicks. You, you have to remember, we are Richmond. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's... I, but but anyone, anyone could really do it down there. That's that's the that's the thing I'm really liking about the, that forward line structure at the moment, is that they're all dangerous. You know, um, Castagna kicked a couple. Uh, Bolton kicked, you know, Bolton kicked his four. I'm not expecting him to kick four every week, but if he can kick one or two... Then they're all dangerous, and they can all any of them can bob up and kick those three or four. So I don't, I don't know if we're gonna have a specific pairing for any of their defenders. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Just because if someone's on fire, they're gonna move their better defenders too. Yeah, that's right. And um, what about who's coming in for Jack Ross, who unfortunately is listed as indefinite at the moment with a syndemosis foot injury, which might require surgery, which is just shattering news for young Jack Ross uh, with how he's been going, but. Do you, is it, I mean, if Nick Floston's available, I mean, I would think he might come back in, but people have floated the idea of Collier Dawkins coming in as another inside midfielder, and then you've got Daniel Rioli, who might be fit as well. Uh, oh, look, if, if Floston's if Lawson's fit, he, he, he gets comes back straight in. Um, he walks back in, yeah. He walks back in. I, Daniel, I, I would like to give him as much time as possible to get his, his body right. He's um, taken a fair beating, hasn't he, really? He's had some big hits on him. He's apparently, I mean, after the, the Bulldogs game, I, I heard that um, he'd have been said that he, he effectively was just playing injured every week just because he had to. So I'd like to give him some time to, to heal up. Um, and, and it's not like we really haven't, we didn't really need him last week in the forward line. Um, the, the, they still tackled, the defensive pressure was still there, we still kicked goals. So it probably, it probably is, hopefully, uh, just Floston and Soldo. Um yeah, I mean, you could you could give CD a go. Um, I I just don't I don't know. As I said, I, I haven't watched that much VFL. Apparently, he's been doing pretty good. As as is um Patrick Patrick Nash. Yes, he's the other very one. Very well too. So look, all, all I can say on the selection is that whoever, whoever they pick, if they buy into the role that we're, we've assigned to them, then we give ourselves every opportunity to win. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Pat Nash. I think he kicked four goals in the VFL, and he's had a pretty good month of football. And I think he's just a little bit unlucky that the team last week played so well that you couldn't justify dropping anyone outside of the forced changes. No, uh, he, he had 29 disposals too, apparently. Yeah, very good game. I'm sure he's going to see some AFL game time sooner rather than later. It's just a matter of when, I think. Uh, Dusty Martin, I liked his game last week. Not so much for the offensive things he did. They were great, don't get me wrong. It was his tackling that I liked. Um, I, put, I posted somewhere that, for me, Dusty is the barometer of our team. If the young kids see him doing the hard yards defensively, making those tackles, chasing blokes down, everyone lifts and rises with him. When he doesn't do those things, I feel like everyone gets lazy. Oh, no doubt. And he'd, he'd been, he'd, he'd, it appeared he'd been pretty lazy uh, for the last couple of weeks. Oh, he... he he was ferociously attacking that ball, and and he's he's had moments uh, where he's he's shown glimpses of that 2017 form. So I'm hoping that that's just a sign that eventually he'll get back to it. It's not been easy because of course um, Trent Cotchin's been injured, and they're kind of like partners in crime. Yeah. Um, but look, if he if he he attacks the ball like he did on on the weekend this week and for the rest of the season, then that form will come back. Agree. It's just doing those back-to-basic things, isn't it? I know it's very cliche, but um, it's what he's doing and it's what's working and it's starting to play himself into form. Yeah, I also feel sometimes is that he, he used to... He get, he used, at the start of the season, he was getting himself in trouble trying to do too much, like trying yes. to bust three or four tackles because he knew that you know Trent Cotchin wasn't there. He knew that uh, Alex Rance wasn't there. So he, he had to, to, take, to do all these things. And I think he now he's he's... 
trusting the players around him a bit more, and he's happy to, to, to you know, rather than bust two tackles, then try to bust the third one, he's busting two and then handballing it off. Yeah, I think that's a good call. It's a big change in his game, and I was pretty critical of him um, for doing what he was doing early on because he was getting pinged holding the ball all the time and really stopping a flow of play. Uh, whereas now he's giving that quick fire release handball to someone in space. And I think you're spot on. It's a trust thing. So it's it's really changed the way we attack now, which is good. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we've come to the part of the show that I'm really looking forward to hearing your answer on. Your tip for the game, including margin. This is your area of expertise. You've, you have you comment on every podcast thread, so this is your time to shine. Sure. So uh, my, my, my uh, well-thought-out, well-documented uh, prediction will be that Richmond are going to win by 48 points. <laughs> 48 points. 48 points. Uh, and that Tom Lynch is going to kick five goals. And the only reason that we won't win by more is because George is going to kick no goals 12. No goals 12. Well, this all is from all, set shots. All, all on set record. Shots. If, this, if this all eventuates, I'll find some kind of a, <laughs> a badge to apply to your account on Big Footy. That I'll would be it. an extraordinary tip. Although but apparently no, Dimmer did turn Nathan Broad into a ruckman, so I'm thinking he might have him a go up forward, and he well, might he, kick two or three too. He two. turned him into a full forward in the same game. <laughs> he dragged a goal. He was a good set shot, actually. It's not the worst move. Just put the smokey on him for the brown low. Yeah, get on him real early. Yeah, yeah, real early. Uh, I think oh, I think we'll win by maybe 22, 23 points, to be honest, because of how the household here works. I just want the four points. I'm not too fussed about the margin <laughs> this week. So, But yeah, any win will be a good win. But I think they'll bring the heat. And it's going to be interesting to see if they bring Roughhead back in after five goals in the VFL. I, I, don't, I don't think they will. I, I think that, that that was a statement that they're, they're past him now. Um, yeah. It's... It, it's I, you, it's 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 not Clarkson's way to, to make statements about yeah you know, he when he when he went there first he he gutted that list he was you know, he wasn't very merciful so I don't think they'll bring him back unless they have to yeah I think I think you might be right but it, he's definitely made it hard for him uh, by kicking the five goals I mean it's a pretty good return your first hit out back at the VFL but I'd like to think we should be able to get the job done no I I, I think we will I think we'll. Maybe not as easily as I thought, as I said we would, but I'd, I'd be I'd be expecting the four points because I always expect the four points. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's fair enough as well. All right, makes you small. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, welcome back any time to talk football, and I would much rather your prediction come true than mine. And uh, hopefully we'll be back on next week with another Tigers win. So until next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!